0: Great. How are
1: you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, the first, pretty much the first question I have is a is a twofold question. Um, that you know, like the first half is you know where are you located um, on this uh, shiny planet, and the second one and how has been the pandemic going for you so far?
0: I am in Portland, Oregon, at the moment, and um, the pandemic has been very interesting. Uh, clearly there's a lot of divisiveness going on in the world. And for me, I've always seen it as a way for people to wake up and see what's going on in our world. You know, um, not in a, not that people are unawake intentionally. It's just that sometimes it takes crisis for us to recognize that change is the thing that's going to make us feel better um even though we're totally resistant to it so for me the pandemic i think has been just another opportunity for us to go okay pause for a minute let's see what's going on and figure out a way to navigate it in a way that feels good
1: the the um one of the reasons why i do ask this um being sober myself for a few years um I do have heard that, um, that, you know, like there was a rise in relapses in anxiety attacks in, in depression and, you know, even, even suicide. Um, have you felt or, or heard or seen, um, stuff to that effect, you know, like happening around you?
0: Um, I do know that the suicide rate has gone up. And that doesn't surprise me at all. I think that um, you know, I have very different views of of um suicide. I, you know, and I don't need to share those on here, but I I think that, you know, a lot of people are just on the verge of of not feeling super great. And then when you mix in something like a pandemic that the piece of the pandemic that I think is the most challenging for people is, um, is death, right? Because that's the thing that we all pretend is not happening (laughs) on a regular basis. Like, (laughs) because we would live our life very differently if we, you know, recognize that we aren't guaranteed anything beyond this moment, There'd be very different choices made. There'd be a very different perspective, but we walk around and pretend like we have all the time in the world. The thing about death that's so challenging for people is that it's the unknown. Nobody knows for sure what's going to happen. And us humans, we want to know. Like we are, what causes the majority of our upset is trying to control the uncontrollable. You know, people, circumstances, outcomes, events, us needing them to show up a certain way. Otherwise we reserve the right to feel bad. And death is like the one thing that there just is no, I mean, there are people that have died and come back and they tell interesting stories and some of them very similar, And we don't, we still just don't know all the things. And so without knowing that, that's kind of the biggest deal for us is we think we want to control and are controlling everything in our lives. And that's the uncontrollable in, there's no way to get around it because we just don't know what happens.
1: And do you feel that the pandemic has played on, you know, like, so you, 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 uh, Attribute this to the fear of death or you attribute this to the because, you know, like some would argue that um, and I'm not necessarily one of them, but, you know, like some would argue that, you know, um, we're talking about like, um, you know, a pretty rough and tough cold rather than like a mortal virus or, you know, a deadly virus. Running around, you know, like oh
0: yeah, no, I'm not commenting on the reality of what's happened. I'm commenting on the fear mongering that's been going on in media and right, the fear state that's been created through this whole thing is what's driving suicides, relapses, uh, anxiety, mental health issues it's the fear of that's driving it. It's, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a frontline worker. I don't know exactly. I've studied a lot of um, different um, uh, doctors and um, different things around all of that to try to understand it in a way that's meaningful for me. Uh, and I wouldn't begin to tell anybody else what is meaningful for them. I just know that uh, mass media loves to play on fear because fear sells and getting people into a state of fear over something that's already fearful that we try to avoid talking about, thinking about just created a perfect storm of things for a lot of people that were on the edge. It was just, this was the last thing, right? I know personally many people that had mental health issues that went away to rehabs uh, for mental health and drugs and alcohol and I mean it was just it's it was just the final thing right They were already on yes. the edge. it was the thing that sent him that direction.
1: And it probably is the you know above everything you know like the biggest blame is the media handling it you know um, right you know either they were right or wrong. It's the handling of the information. Um, as you say, you know, like the the kind of the motor, the engine of it all, you know, I like guess is, is fear fueled. And, you know, um, it's always like the extremes, you know, like the, there, there can't be just an objective news um, broadcast. It has to be spectacular, you know, so... And and I would
0: also say it seems like, I don't know how old you are. I'm 51. When I was growing up, when we watched the news, the news was information. It didn't have a political slant on it. It was just, here's what's going on in the world. And now it feels like everything's an opinion piece with some sort of uh, agenda laden, you know, whatever behind it. And uh, this is this is a problem this is something that's happening that um you know I'm hoping that a lot of people will wake up from getting out of this fear to recognizing that um, it's not as divided out there as we all are experiencing it's actually closer together than we think you know just like humans in general I mean I I mean, I don't think I'm over speaking here, but I think that as humans, we spend an awful lot of time trying to delineate out our side or our person or whatever from another person. And the reality is, is we are so much more alike than different. We may have different political ideals or things like that. But in terms of humanity, we we want to be loved. We want to love others, especially those that are nearest to us we want to have deep meaningful relationships with people like that's the thing it doesn't that's not a political thing that's just a humanity thing and if we can remember that in the midst of all the politics and the pandemic and whatever the next crisis is going to be because there will be another one after this this isn't the end you know and that's why i work with people on these things because Most people think that these things are external things. I'm in fear because of the pandemic. I'm in fear because of whatever. The reality is that fear lives inside of you. And it's just that the pandemic is bringing it out. Yeah. And so if we continue to think that outside of us is what's causing our experience, then it's very challenging to fix that because we can't control people and circumstances but what we can control is our uh, emotional experience and knowing that that's what I help people recognize is if I can control my emotional experience, then I don't have to go down that track of fear. Are there some things to be fearful of? I guess. And if we understand how to navigate them in a way that's meaningful to us, then we don't have to have such an awful experience with it we can understand where it comes from what it's about and and use that in a positive way does that make sense
1: it does it does and you know um you know you decide to open the tv and you know get kind of swallowed by that opinion base um news broadcast right you know like you decide to not change a channel which was you know like probably my biggest mistake when that old shit at the fan right you know it was you know like just being on you know on the tv um quarantined and just 24 7 looking at the stats and the numbers you know grow and and actually like just losing my mind you know like just like what the hell you know like i it was so almost hypnotic um that, but it was me you know like it was me um stuck there and i had to voluntarily change the channel you know uh, or shut it down complete powered it part of uh completely and just stop listening to it because it you know it, it was driving me nuts um and and you know you, i think you're right you know like it's the the reaction to it um you know there's definitely a part of that that is um like you said you know like media have changed so much but when when you acknowledge that um that we've lost a lot of objectivity in in reporting the news and we we have turned more on the you know what's your opinion and what you know kind of the next vox populi of you know like asking people on the street what they think about the news hmm. more than the news itself um, you know it's it's now on us to um as human being you know like acknowledge it and you know decide what how we deal especially if we deal um badly with it you know like to just turn off the freaking t v you know again and and, and <laughs> listen to music or, or you know or or a book you know so or my podcast
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that, you know, I think I haven't watched the news, uh, like mass media news for over a decade, because I recognize that I was having a visceral response to the news. And this was, you know, obviously, a decade ago, that's mid 2000s. Um, I real I was like, I couldn't figure out why I felt low. And it was after I watched the news, I would take in all of that information and it would make me feel awful and i thought wow it took me a while to to whittle down that that was the thing and i know there are people out there that think that you know not watching the news is irresponsible and i would say that what's irresponsible to me or not irresponsible but less enjoyable is not enjoying my life you know not recognizing that something doesn't feel good. And it's not that I'm in denial, I can watch it now, and it's no problem. But I had some healing I needed to do around taking in information in that way. And I think there's a lot of people now that are going to have that healing that they need to do, because I think people are starting to recognize that it doesn't feel good. And like you said, you know, turning off when you need to turn off, get information if you need to, and then And then turn it off and don't just have it running in the background and over and over and over again hearing these things. Because on a subconscious mind level, the subconscious mind can't decipher whether something is happening over and over again or it's happening for the first time. It can't decipher if you're talking about something or uh, seeing something over and over again whether that's happening over and over again. So it experienced like your body is experiencing that over and over again. So if you're watching that, you know, uh, you can turn on a news channel and they'll just have a news loop, right? And they just tell the same sort of stories again and again. And um, your body is experiencing it new each time as though they hadn't heard it before because your subconscious mind can't tell the difference between it just happening now and having happened in the past and you, Getting the information again.
1: So it actually just adds it up.
0: Yeah. So that's how I, um, and the reason I discovered that is because I had an anxiety disorder, and the anxiety disorder was brought about by talk therapy of all things. It was me telling my trauma story over and over again once a week to a counselor. And I just kept living it over and over again in my mind and my body. And you know, that mind body connection is real. The thoughts you think create chemistry in your body. And so if you're telling a trauma story over and over again, you're creating that. And then because of the telling of that story and not wanting to acknowledge those emotions, I created anxiety to cover it up. So I wouldn't, so it was like a defense mechanism to not feel the feelings.
1: And let's let's uh, let's rewind that tape of your story, so we get to that um, a bit more in detail. Um, pretty much every episode, would, you know, I start by actually rewinding the life story tape of uh, my guests, and um, I, you know, I pretty much ask, I've I've asked the same question um, recently to my guests, you know, to pretty much rewind it back to. Some of that, you know, like of the most um, early event that you know, like w- would you would describe as an event that 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 defined who you became, you know, like or or that, you know, like when when I talk to drug addicts and alcoholics, you know, like sometimes it's either an experience themselves, you know, like that, you know, like they use for the first time, or or you know, like witnessing, I don't know, like my grandfather was a uh, mythically. Um, over drinking and you know like you know and i got impressed by that and whatever uh, you know um where would you bring back that memory aaron
0: i think the first like real defining moment was was that what we what we i was just talking about was you know i went into a counselor with my boyfriend at the time so that we could figure out why we couldn't get along and in that first session i had a panic attack and i'd never had one before and i didn't know what it was and how you old know, were you erin um i was 28
1: and how long have you been with that boyfriend So far, we've been together
0: for seven years, and we just we had done everything from living together to dating to uh, on again, off again. We just couldn't work it out, and we clearly loved each other, at least as friends, if not more. And we sought counseling because we just wanted to understand, you know, why we couldn't figure it out. Um, and in that first counseling session, we were in the midst of explaining it to the counselor and I had a panic attack and she noticed right away and she said, is everything okay? And I said, actually, no. And I started to describe for her that I felt like I couldn't breathe and that I was like two inches tall and I was in the corner and all the air was being sucked out of the room. And I and I felt disoriented and sort of out of body. And she was like, yeah, you're having a panic attack. And I was like, so this is in the, this happened in 1998, maybe. And, um, you know, panic attacks was not something that people really talked about. It was kind of, it's certainly not, it's very much more normal now. People will say, yeah, I had a panic attack. And um, most people I know have a lot of, anxiety and have had some form of a panic attack. And, um, so from there it just, uh, she stopped the couple session and asked me if I would be willing and wanted to do some individual work because obviously something was coming up for me. And I agreed to do that. And, um, for the next nine months, my life became more and more narrow because, the panic attacks started happening closer and closer together and more often. And um, I began to get very fearful about just everyday life. I was at the time training for a half marathon and I had a panic attack while I was running. So I stopped running. And I only mention this because it wasn't the narrowing of your life happens in slow motion. You don't recognize, oh, I've just given up this thing. Obviously, we know in terms of mental health that exercising is is good for mental health, but I was so afraid after that panic attack, you couldn't have got me out running again if you dragged me, you know? And so what ended up happening is I started to hold myself up in my home because I was so afraid to go out because i my, my life became narrow because everything that I was doing I would have a panic attack doing it. And so then it was like, oh, I guess I can't do that anymore either. Oh, I guess I can't do that anymore. And so then I quit my job because I had a panic attack in front of, I was a teacher at the time, in front of my students. And, and so I, I only bring this up because the narrowing of our life happens and we don't recognize it because it happens in slow motion. But I want to bring it up because I know a lot of people by the time they come to me are in crisis mode. And many of them were in that position. So it's just a point of awareness. Like, are you narrowing things in your life because they feel uncomfortable? It's not the things. The work is inside. And if we don't go inside to heal that piece, then you're going to give up another thing in your life. And what kind of life is that to keep giving up things because you're afraid?
1: So, what, what what was the you know a kind of therapy about? You know, like when when she meets with you one on one, you know, like it's um so you know like I'm guessing that you know you, you kind of shelf the um couple <laughs> therapy because you know like they they now focus in on what has caused the panic attack, right? Yeah. And what is the, you know, like what, what is the intent at that point?
0: So she had said, she had said that, you know, the work would be to, um, you know, start at the beginning basically, and, you know, talk about everything that had happened up until present day. And I think the most shocking part of that was not so much that there was, Well, yeah, the most shocking part was that there wasn't any more trauma than I had remembered. You know, I thought once the anxiety started or the panic attack started, that it was covering something up, you know, that there was something like a latent story or an aha or, you know, something that I had, you know, tamped down so much that I had forgotten it or, you know. And what I found when I had reached the pinnacle of my anxiety was that There wasn't anything there. It was literally void. And this blew my mind. I thought, how can this be? I had all this anxiety. Why am I having this anxiety when there's nothing on the other side? It took me another 10 years after coming out of that whole experience to recognize why. And it was through studying the brain and understanding the subconscious mind and realizing that, um, The anxiety was a defense mechanism because I so badly didn't want to feel the feelings that were involved with the trauma that I had experienced. And it doesn't have to be that traumatic. Like not everybody has some hugely traumatic story. In fact, my story is not so traumatic, but it's less about, you know, all the details. You know, in recovery, I'm sure you've heard some crazy stories about, um, you know, drug use and alcohol use and the things that we do to cover up what's really going on. The problem is, is that we are conditioned to not experience our feelings from a very young age. And we've got so conditioned to it that a lot of the time that I spend with clients is helping them understand what emotional awareness is. They don't even know what feelings are. They don't know. They don't have a vocabulary around it because from a very young age, when you fall over and hurt yourself, you have adults in your life going, it's okay, honey, don't cry. And so it starts with that innocently enough. It's not, you know, it's not meant to be an awful thing. It's just that We don't want to see other people in pain, but the reality is, is pain is where healing takes place. And if we don't allow ourselves to have those emotions and feel that pain, it never goes away. It just keeps coming back.
1: It's, it's, um, it, you know, um, the, the, the conversation i've had you know with guests so far you know like it's you know like this podcast is all about you know resilience right you know like it's it's always about overcoming and and at the same time that this podcast is also about you know like people sharing you know like people exposing some of the traumas and some of the um obstacle they had to face in their lives you know like and and one of you know like one of the question that you know like Sometimes this podcast tries to um answer is especially for addiction um is it nature or nurture um and you know i have my own hypothesis you know behind um behind that um based on my own life experience um and 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 therefore you know like there's something kind of going a bit um not against but you know like a bit um in in the opposite way of what you're describing which is like the more you you know in my own experience the 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 more i told some of the stuff that i was ashamed of or that would cause um you know like a, a painful emotion the more i shared about it or at least i shared once with someone i trust and and you know and loved um it would this the feeling of shame or the feeling of guilt would dissipate. Um what I do understand from, you know, like the story you're telling is that um the trauma that you you did share with someone I guess you trusted, um, actually made the opposite, you know, it created the opposite effect on you.
0: Yeah. um, And I know that that flies in the face of most people's experiences. And I'm not against talk therapy. I think it's a lot of what I do with my clients is talk therapy. But talk therapy without um, healing is just re-experiencing trauma.
1: Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I do understand that well, I, I think I do understand that part. And, you know, like I, I'm going to have you kind of elaborate on what is the process of um, um, treating, you know, like without, you know, um, you know, like so, so how do you um, how do you make sure that, you know, like you're actually trying to um, not fix, but, you know, like treat. The 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 trauma itself.
0: Well, for me, there's understandings so that need to happen behind the scenes in order for you to recognize why you're having the experience you're having, and it looks something like this. I'm going to try and shorten it so that it's not a huge thing. Um, so, as a young child, we have experiences. Uh, you know, good and bad. And from those experiences, we decide things. And those decisions shape our rights and our wrongs, what's good and what's bad based on these experiences. And importantly, you know, the story of your life and all the things that happened, it's not it's not so much the things that happen that are important. It's really about what you decided about yourself based on that. Right. And most people decide the same things. They decide things like I'm not good enough. I don't deserve. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. Distilled down. I believe that is, I don't have value. And so here's a child has all these experiences, you know, not necessarily adults sitting them down and saying things, but they're watching the adults in their lives and seeing, oh, this is a good thing, this is a bad thing, this is a right thing, this is a wrong thing. And so as they're going through that, that's shaping the perspective in which they can see this life. And so they have the experience feels good, feels bad, decide things about themselves, create a reality around that story of the things and attach emotions to it. And then they've committed to what's right and wrong through those experiences, right? My parents say that, you know, working hard is a value, right? Or Um, I went to church and they said, telling the truth is a value and not telling the truth is a sin, things like that, right? So that's rights and wrongs, goods and bads. And then we commit to those and we commit others to our um, experiences, right? So if I'm committed to rights and wrongs, goods and bads, and then I commit other people to them and how this looks is... If somebody is doing something that is not within your rights and wrongs or goods and bads we reserve the right to either judge them or if they've said something to us and we've gone into reaction then we can blame them for not following along our rules but the reality is is everybody's having that same experience and so my the things that happen in my childhood sh- are shaping the perspective that I can see. And from that perspective, I'm creating expectations of people. And so if they don't fit into those expectations, then I judge them or I get to react to them angrily or whatever your go-to emotion is. So they said something to me, I get to be um, upset. But the problem with that scenario is that that gives all the power to everybody and everything because you've given them permission to be in control of your emotions. And so if you allow that to happen, you have no control. And that's why we have stress, anxiety, overwhelm, worry, all these low-level experiences because we've given up our power to other people. And to circumstances. Are you following me so far?
1: I am. I am. Absolutely.
0: So then somebody says something or an outcome isn't how we want. Then we get upset and we blame the thing or the person. And there's no freedom in that. And there's no control in that. And we love to have control. But the only thing we can control is our emotional experience. But we've given that up to circumstances or people. So, when you understand that this is what's going on behind the scenes, that this is the underlying issue about all of your experiences, then when you have somebody in front of you that says something that makes you, you think is making you feel bad, instead of making them wrong, That's the opportunity for us to look inside and go, what's going on with me that I'm in reaction to that person or that circumstance? That's a very different way to go. That's taking personal responsibility for your experiences. Most people are in victim stance where they're like, you made me feel this way. That made me feel this way. And I ask people to do the opposite. I ask them to recognize that you're having an emotional reaction that's yours to own and that's your signal that there's something inside that could use some healing based on that story
1: can can you can you elaborate with an example you know like what in your case that you know like you 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 um you know like your couple therapy that gets put on old and you're know, like and and then you try what happens next you know like in terms of you know, like your your own um kind of investigating within you um what is going on
0: are you asking me what are the steps to healing or are you asking me to give you an example of the process i just talked about
1: well just in terms of you know like you know like involving that process in your own um may i say recovery or you know like uh, healing
0: yeah oh yeah oh listen we're all in recovery If you think you don't have a story that you're healing from, you just haven't got there yet. It's definitely there. (laughs) That's why we're here. We're here to heal and grow. That is the purpose, I believe, of why we exist is for this healing process. Um, And each of it is individual. So, you know, while there are some similarities and some same feelings, uh, we all had different experiences. And that's why it's um, crazy making (laughs) when we... Uh, think that everybody, you know we have these expectations of people when they'd had totally different experiences than us. Uh, in terms of so I'll tell you one of the defining moments for me as a child was my parents getting divorced uh, because my father was kind of my rock, my everything, and when they decided to get divorced, he moved out. and that just sort of obliterated me as a five-year old. And I made decisions. About myself based on that, you know, those ones that I talked about, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Like, how could I be lovable? These two people that say they love me the most, I couldn't keep them together because as children, we're egocentric. That means that we believe that we have a hand in everything. Like we are the impetus for this life. Um, and that's a developmental thing. And, um, so if my parents split up, that had to be my fault. There was something about me that made that happen, and and that's uh, I mean, you could say that's a spiritual right, you know. Like that, that's why we're here, right? Is to heal these things, and so they happen on purpose. Um, so from there, I chose people specific to you know to healing. That's that's what we do. is we get into relationship with people who can point out to us where there's healing to take place. And so this gentleman that we went to couples counseling with was that very thing. We'd been together for seven years on again, off again. And the reason that we couldn't get along is because we had, we were just hurting each other back and forth. Right. And that's what couples often do is they escalate one another's pain. By you know somebody said this. Oh, that hurt my feelings. Oh yeah, well now I'm going to tell you this, right? And they continue to escalate each other. It's not usually that obvious, but they don't recognize that there's hurts happening in the background. And we're we're you know the key word these days is trigger. We're triggering this pain. We're poking at that pain uh, back and forth, and that's how it escalates. And you have fights and those sorts of things. And that's what we were doing. And without knowing that, there was no way to get out of it because we were just poking at each other's hurts over and over again, like wounds, you know, literally. Like, um, in terms of healing, I didn't actually learn how to heal myself through that relationship. It wasn't until many years later that I started to recognize what it takes to actually heal. And now I actually work with couples and I show them. That that's what's happening when you're escalating one another. You're poking at that story of all the things that happened that didn't feel good, um, without even understanding it. But when you understand it, you can do it differently, because when you understand that you're responsible for your emotional uh, experiences, then when that person said that thing that hurt your feelings, your feelings are hurt. They didn't hurt them. You you had your feelings poked at by that person. They gave you the gift to look at it. And so that becomes a different kind of uh, not getting along thing. It becomes a more responsible way to look at it and go, okay, you said this thing, I don't feel good now. Like you didn't make me feel bad. I don't feel good, which is very different. And then you go, okay, what inside of me can be healed, right? Instead of I'm going to make you uh, responsible for my feeling bad i become now responsible for my feeling bad not in a blame shame or fault kind of a way in a oh okay something to look at and uh, wonder and curiosity way why why is this happening why am i having this experience
1: does um so you you y- 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 you said that you know like your couple kind of didn't survive because you know like that the that, that, that healing came or the kind of the reasoning or the the putting words into you know like that the methodology came much later um was there you know like you know like looking back w- were there you know like kind of you know options where you know like you you could associate some of the stuff he did to some of the experience you had or you know that would just like trigger the trauma
0: i'm not sure i understand what you're asking
1: i mean you know like looking back you know like was this something that you know like um if you had a patient later that you know, uh, or have a patient that you know, like has, you know, kind of a similar story to yours. um, Could you identify looking at your story that if you had yourself as a patient looking back, you you, you'd be able to um, pinpoint, you know, like what was not working um, in, in kind of that couple dynamic?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we kind of have go tos. You know, we like to, for me, it was always like, this isn't working out. I'm out. (laughs) You know, I was like, this clearly isn't working out. We're arguing or whatever. I I don't want to stay. Right. Because if I'm not lovable, I would set up a situation that said that that person can't love me because I'm not lovable. So I would find different ways to make them not love me. Right.
1: And, and you probably, would be leaving before your quote unquote dad did.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I would choose to leave first because yeah, that didn't feel good, right?
1: Yeah, being left out felt so bad as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that you just yeah. I, I'm glad that we went through that because that actually nobody's ever asked me that on a podcast, and I think that's a real world explanation of the things that we don't even recognize uh, are going on. And I think that people can relate to that. So I appreciated that question very much.
1: Well, you know, like for me, you know, like it's, it's, um, what's so interesting is the different angles. You know, like, uh, you know, there's something that, you know, like I, I explain a lot, but you know, like here in Quebec, you know, like there's, um, there's actually pretty much like two ways that, you know, we treat addiction. There's one way, which is called, um, in french it's, but I, I always forget the translation of that but it's actually um trying to you know use in a reasonable way you know like so so i tried that you know, like a year prior to go into therapy so that gives you you know uh, you know how much i appreciate that method but um, um so they they tried to coach me into um like counting my drinks and and counting my my joints and you know like just okay so have you used last week? Yeah. Were you reasonable? You know, like, so please help me define reasonable, please. But, um, and then, you know, like it was all about, you know, like could kind of control your use. That's one side of it, which is mostly paid by um, our public sector agencies. Um, and it's, you know, mostly outside clinics. Um, you visit them and, you know, like you, you, you know, like you, you, you get matched with a therapist and, and so on. And that, failed miserably for me the second option which is more on the private side you know like more therapy center is pretty much based on almost exclusively on 12-step uh therapy program um so you know all inspired by the AA movement which you know then gave birth to the NA the CA and you know and so on and so forth um and so you know like the, the this was for a while um, for me it, it was really the uh, the only two ways and one i absolutely and still don't believe in and so there was only one way that you could treat addiction was based on 12 steps um not because i'm close-minded because that's the only one i knew you know like it, it was pretty much like the only um it was pretty much the only angle you know like or, or method i knew so you know like a, i i i would never have suspected that there was tons of methods you know like i've heard others but you know like for me you know, like that, you know like there were you know like most of the the other ones that i knew um or i say other ones but you know like there were very little but very few and and they they, they weren't working so um It's by starting that podcast that I started to talk to people that, you know, like would, I don't know, like, I always have the same, you know, uh, guest in mind that, you know, is, is recovery and and sobriety is, is maintained through, um, he's from the First Nations, uh, he's, you know, um, so, so he does like, uh, uh, group drumming and um, group uh, percussions and you know like he he maintains in meditation is is recovery and sobriety healthy Um, I've heard therapy based on music I've heard therapy based on meditation and therapy based based on um, mostly spirituality more than anything Um, so for me it's always like the, the the you know opening up the perspectives and you know like the the kind of the um, how wide the the options are in treating and and observing and and actually just make your life better. um and for me, it still is you know, hundred sixty something guests later, so fascinating. um your approach is you know, like something that you know like I kind of not kind of, but based on my own experience like so it was, almost quite almost the opposite you know like when, when i'm asked to share at you know like a, a fraternity meeting you know like an aa meeting or an meeting it's all about sharing those traumas so that the um slowly i'd say slowly not necessarily slowly because you know like it it, it involves that beforehand i've diminished the impact it had on it has on me by sharing with my sponsor so i i'll give you you know like a super easy example of that Aaron. so um i just i just was separated with you know with my ex and uh, i had a young daughter and a young son um my daughter was younger so she may have been i don't know maybe five or six um i end up um, almost an hour drive from my ex, um, and I have him uh, one weekend on two, so you know like four days a month. Um, that weekend, um, sh- you know, like I, it's Sunday, so you know, like I, I will bring him back to their moms um, after right before dinner, actually, and um, I think it's about noon, and I hear my son screaming. And so I go to the living room and my daughter has bit my son and, you know, quite, you know, quite bad, you know, and so, um, I was actually taught by my own mother that, you know, when a kid starts biting, best way to have him to have him or her stop is to actually bite the kid yourself, you know? So maybe a fucked up, you know, uh, but you know like it's not you know like i've, I've told that story a hundred times and you're know, like there there were a lot of people that say, uh-huh i heard that too you know like so um maybe less popular in 2021 but i'm 46 <laughs> and you know <laughs> probably way less popular in 2021 but <laughs> all that to say that you know um that was you know like the the kind of one of my great parent teaching you know like so so <laughs> I go in the living room, like, what have you done? Bah, bah, bah. And you know, like I'm how uh, to panic. I, I'm not kidding. Aaron. It was like, you know, like just, I never, you know, I, I didn't bite off a chunk of my daughter's hand. Right. You are know, like I just like do the biting and she goes like, man. And you know, like, but it's, it's an instant, right. You know, like she, I didn't even hurt her really, but you know, like you, you, you have to picture that, you know, like she's a, um, porcelain, you know, like that, that, you know, like she's she's a blonde with blue eyes. Her skin is like um porcelain, right? You know, like so so the very little bite marks that I do marks her skin right there. You know, like and and I start fucking panicking. Um my relation with my ex is not good. And I know that I'm in deep fucking trouble because I've just bit my daughter out of a you know, like kind of a parent lesson that my mother gave me and I'm 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 freaking out next thing i know i start rubbing this with every single things that i found yeah. on the internet that told me that it would make uh, a mark on skin disappear you know like so that involves um you know like kind of you know um rubbing a penny rubbing heist, rubbing cucumbers rubbing um vanilla um i try to remember but i i rubbed every fucking thing in my pantry <laughs> to you know you know, everything, you know, like, so I would go on Google, remove, uh, you know, skin mark, and some say, okay, one t- teaspoon of vanilla, and so to a point where my daughter, which is probably between, you know, five, maybe five, six, she's just like, dad, you know, like, I'm I'm not, I'm not hurt anymore, you know, like, you can fucking relax, you know, like, just, <laughs> just, okay, I'm, I'm good, you know, like, I'm good, but I'm, I'm crying, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. Um, I was right freaking out because you know, like I drive to my parents, I start telling them, like, I'm I'm in shit, you know, like my my ex is gonna just like throw me under the bus for that, and so on and so forth. And um, and everyone's like, relax, you know, like it's there's nothing wrong. You know, I like could I mean, well, obviously my mom didn't, you know, you know, was just like, well, that's the way it is, but you know, I I, I knew that she was wrong about that. And um, so I drive my kids to uh their moms And, um, she tells me, um, so I tell her like in panic and she must've seen that, you know, like my eyes were just like, I felt like shit to be honest, Aaron, you know, like I felt like pure crap. And, um, she, she just picks the kids up and turns around and said, you're just fucking lucky you piece of shit that I don't call the police. And she slams the door. So I get back in my car. That's a recent divorce you know like it's a recent separation so um every single time i I would drop them i would drop the kids to their moms my one hour drive back home i would be just crying just crying you know I, i i was actually just like slowly dying of 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 missing them you know like it was it was awfully bad um and so you can imagine that, you know, like if I was feeling like shit when I dropped them, you know, like when she slammed the door, I felt like like pure crap. You know, like it was it was really, really bad. So I call my sponsor and um you know, like through the crying, you know, like he pretty much deciphers what the fuck happened, right? You know, like I'm you know, like just like really, you know, like it would it must have been really painful to listen. But um so I tell him my story and he's like, uh, okay. Um, in, in this question, I, I'm not kidding. Was actually, do you think you're going to do it again? I said, what the fuck do you, you know, like <laughs> I kind of <laughs> stopped crying. I'm like, what, what the fuck do you mean? You're like, no, I'm just telling you, I, you know, like what a piece of shit I am. you know, like, no, I'm not going to bite anyone ever again for that. you know, like, what, what, you know what's that question you know like and he's like well y- you're learning something you know like so i and so i just you know like i i remember hanging up and you know like just like like pretty much screaming in my car what a f- freaking dumbass so like what kind of question is that you know like i and i was freaking out um fast forward two weeks later um i have a fan you know from my memory, you know, like nothing outstanding, but you know, like it was just a great weekend with my kids and, you know, and so sure enough, you know, like I dropped him off and, you know, like, so my, my driving back home is actually, you know, like calling my sponsor because I'm going to cry my eyes out. And, uh, the first thing he asked me, he said, Hey, so have you bit your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, I didn't. You know, like what kind of messy question is that? He said, well, just to, you know, just to teach you that, you know, like, You've learned a lesson and we can, I'm not going to make jokes every week about that, but, you know, like, I just want to, you know, I like kind of diminish that, you know, like you've, you've done your mistake, you've learned through it and, you know, like you're good. You know, you can, you can actually tell that story, you know, like not that, you know, like it, not, it, it didn't necessarily mention that I, I, I had to share or I had to, but this story now feels like um it it by sharing it with him, I got rid of the guilt associated with that story um and fun fact, you know like a couple of months or maybe you know a year later, I was asked to share in a jail uh you know, like in the prison um and I told that story and some of the people incarcerated wanted to kick my ass and and beat the shit out of me. Uh, but I felt like so. <laughs> I was like guilt-free of telling the story, and you know, like the the, the the individual responsible for you know, like kind of uh, organizing it uh, was just like, well, you realize that you know, like you just said that you hurt your daughter. And I was like, yeah, you know, like that's just that's a nice story of you know, like kind of redemption and learning, and you know. And he's like, yeah, but you know, like it, this is doesn't kind of chive well in 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 the, in, a, in the prison, and um, but it I completely got rid of the guilt and the shame and the um because you know like you know like the, it happened you know like i, I did it you know like it, it was you know like I, I i was sorry for it and still am you know like it's a and it's so you know like it's over same goes for um my grandfather um uh, asking you know um because he was you know like he was a All of the deviances on my mother's side. You know, like like there's some messed up people, you know, there's, let's say there's some fucked up branches in that tree, you know, like, so let's say that way. Um, (laughs) And so um, I have no, how can I say it? You know, like I have really have very little shame, well, no shame and no guilt in saying that, you know, like my, my, my grandfather, grandfather, from what I remember most probably was close to you know was close to incest on me um but it's 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 not too clear because you know like I, I I because I shared and talked about it but you know like my memory just said, you know what fuck off you know like it's you know you know like you're okay you know like you, your sexuality is balanced and everything's fine you know like you don't have um and so I can talk about it you know like my grandfather was most probably, a you know, like a messed up, um, yeah, you know, like messed up individual, and um, and so you know, like that's why, you know, like when when I hear that, you know, like you, you need to be careful how you share and how you um kind of dedust, you know, like some of your early traumas. Um, I find this super important, you know, super important.
0: Yeah, was I mean, a long rant.
1: sorry about that, Aaron.
0: <laughs> no, no, that was good. No, that was wonderful. I'm glad you shared that. No, I, um, I'm not against talking about the things as long as it's productive. You know, it's um, I happen to create an anxiety disorder out of talking about my trauma, but that's not how everybody does it. Some people do it differently. Some people get depressed. Some people. Are suicidal some people are have addictions we all have addictions fyi you know the easy ones to point out are drugs and alcohol because um you know we're not it alters our behavior to an extent and kills you
1: much faster it just kills you much faster yeah it has
0: detrimental effects on your your body but so do all the other things um you know and the other things look like, you know, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, shopping, gambling. Um, um,
1: sorry. Dog is not, does not agree. Just <laughs>
0: um, And then the other thing I think is so huge that people are addicted to now is uh, being super busy. I can't tell you how many people I hear. Oh, I'm so busy. I can't do this. Oh, I'm so busy. I can't do that. And, uh, you know, overscheduling themselves or overscheduling their kids or being helicopter parents, you know, where you're just like all in your kid's business all the time. And that's your life versus you having a life like these are all addictions. The difference is that, you know, with drugs and alcohol and gambling, and you have this other thing, but beneath all of those addictions is the same thing. It is unresolved trauma. There's no getting yeah. around it. It's just that some people pick up drugs and alcohol. Some people are super busy and, um, you know, are after, you know, other things making a whole lot of money or, you know, they're, they're fixated on these other things, but they're all addictions. If you're whatever it is that you're by doing, your schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you're doing to not feel feelings, that's an addiction binge-watching TV, social media, I mean, all these things. We're con- like constantly trying not to feel, and it just yeah. shows up in these other ways. We call them these other things, but ultimately, it all distills down to unacknowledged uh, trauma and a way to heal it. That's it. I almost feel like sometimes it's easier when, uh, no offense, when a, there is a drug or an alcohol to sort of blame, you know, because it's like, oh, I'm in recovery of this thing, but actually we're all in recovery of ourselves, <laughs> our experiences, you know, and, uh, you know, and they're all painful. There's no better than other, you know, just like stories. There's no like my story is way worse than yours. No, it's, They, it's you know, as humans, we take the story in and it doesn't feel good, uh, you know, so it doesn't matter, it's not level of feel good or bad, it's just it doesn't feel good, and there's healing that needs to take place there. Where can
1: people find you, Aaron?
0: I, there's two places I would say is the best place to find me one is Instagram at Aaron E R I N M A C L L C. I post uh, stories every day. I post videos once a week that are usually strategies, things to think about, notices um, to kind of look at in your own life. Um, And then the other place is my website. It's erin-mac.com. And there's blog posts and interviews, uh, podcasts, podcasts, information about coaching services classes that sort of thing
1: you said you had your own podcast what is the podcast name
0: well oh, i don't have my own podcast just i post oh. podcasts that i've been on
1: ah okay because i thought i heard that you know like you you um you had a podcast sorry um yeah. thanks for being part of my journey aaron you know like you you again you know like the, one of the thousand well 260 160 angles that you know like uh another guest <laughs> provided and you know like you're part of that um this is um an humbling and and fulfilling experience for me and um i you know i still can't believe that you know like a a, a stranger named Aaron's ends up in my inbox telling me that they want to be part of it you know like it's just just yeah. freaking <laughs> you know like it fills me with gratitude and you know just uh I'm happy that, you know, like you, you, uh, you joined in. Thank oh, you.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I, it's totally been my pleasure. I get an immense amount of joy helping people recognize that they're beautiful humans, uh, that have had a not so great experience most of the time. And, and, you know, if I can provide hope or guidance or strategy or anything to look at this life in a way that you can enjoy it then that's that that fills me up thank you for the opportunity
1: thanks to you take care
0: you too
1: bye-bye